Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. up and welcome to whiskey sex talk i am your host romeo she is a licensed professional counselor in private practice in madison new jersey where she specializes in individual family couples and sex therapy she is a highly trained couple and sex therapist who provides a safe and non-judgmental and sex positive environment She has an extensive experience counseling individuals, families, and couples around many different matters, including infidelity, lack of communication, depression, anxiety, and all aspects of sexual issues. Highly intuitive, she honors the perspective of each person in the room. She deeply believes therapy is a very courageous choice and a key to understanding unuseful patterns in which repeats in relationships and here to tell us more about repeating cycles in relationship is wendy hey romeo thank you so much for having me here today it's really great to be here with you well wendy i'm so glad you're here and so let's just get started so before we begin i just want to ask you can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here yeah sure it's a it's a it's a it's a windy road that that led me to be a therapist. I it, I didn't do this. It's a second career for me. So originally I was a pharmacist. I went into my undergraduate education to be a pharmacist. And when I had children, I kind of retired from all work and 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 even back in my twenties, I. I thought about being a therapist and I thought about going back to school and it just seemed like such a long road that I uh, just said, no, no, no. And I got married and had children. And then I said, you know, I still want to do that. I don't want to go back to being a pharmacist or working in the pharmaceutical industry as I had been doing. Um, And so I decided to look into it and at the ripe old age of 43, I went back to school. And wow. Yeah. Nice. And so here I am all these years later. Now I've been doing this longer than I than I ever did uh, my pharmacy career. That's the beauty of uh, education. You can always go back and reinvent yourself, uh, start a new career. And that's very courageous of you to do that, especially helping people. I really love what you do. And um, so here's what I want to know. Um, what are the repeating cycles in relationships? Yeah, that is, it's such a important topic because it forms the basis, the cycle that people, couples get into really forms the core of all the work that I do with couples. And even when I'm working with individuals and they're telling me about their partner or even a parent or a child, I always have this sort of model in mind And there's something I use called the vulnerability cycle. It was developed by Michelle Shankman and Mona Fishbane. 
and I'm fortunate enough to be able to be in a consultation group with Michelle herself. Oh, nice. So I, I get the, you know, I, I'm, I'm, my work is very informed by her work. And it basically says that every interaction that we have with another person is co-created. If you're talking to me now and we have a certain dynamic, that dynamic is going to be just a little bit different if you're talking to someone else, because that other person is going to create something different with you, right? And with couples, I look at everything as how is this dynamic co-created between them? Because it's easy to point the finger and say, oh, if only he, she, they wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't do this. But it's not linear. It's So what happens when your partner does X, Y, or Z? How do you feel? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel. I feel angry and I feel hurt and I feel like he, 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 she, they don't hear me. And so, and so what do you do when you feel that way? Well, I, I go after them. I, I try and tell them you do this, you need to do this and you need to do it now. And, and sometimes I get mean and I, 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 you know, throw some jabs, but I only do that because they did this. Oh, so when you feel hurt and unheard, you get angry and you pursue them in an angry way. And then what do you what do you feel when your partner pursues you angrily and says, oh, I'm not having any of that. I'm not going to be oppressed that way. I just forget it. I leave. Oh, so you shut down. So when when your partner yells at you, you shut down and you feel like oppressed in some way. And I, I'm hypo, being hypothetical right, with yeah. what each person might feel, because for each person, it might be different. And so there you've really very quickly and i do this almost always in the first session you've you've elucidated the cycle between them oh so you feel hurt and you get angry and you pursue with anger and then when your partner pursues with anger you feel oppressed and you shut down and then the more you shut down the more your partner feels hurt and unheard and the more they pursue with anger and the more you shut down and I always say, you know, couples have one fight and underneath it all, it's this process that's going on. The content varies on the surface, mm -hmm. but underneath it, that's what's going on. And I literally draw it out for people. Like I draw the cycle out and I say, this is what's happening between you. It takes both of you to create this. This is co-created by the two of you. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with partner A or par something wrong with partner B. It means that what happens here, it, it it's almost like you externalize the problem. The oh. problem is this cycle. The problem is not you. Two of you love each other. The two of you want to be together, but you get tripped up by this. And so that's like part one is creating an awareness of what's happening and slowing that cycle down. Nice. Nice. Um, I want to know, so let's say you're in a situation, you, you talk about it's co-created, issues are co-created among, among couples. How much is past trauma uh, causing this? Yeah, great question. So the next, one of the next steps is, gee, you know, you mentioned that you feel oppressed when you're, oh, let me say it's the wife 
or um, I'm going to be heteronormative here. I'd say it's the, uh, a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. and the wife gets feels unheard and hurt when her partner's not there for her. And so she pers- angrily pursues. And, and, and I hear you saying, you know, Joe, that you feel oppressed when your wife, uh, Sue, is, is pursuing you in that way. Is that a familiar experience for you? Oh, you know, when I was a kid, I never could, I never could have an opinion. You know, my parents, they just, you know, they shut me down. They told me what I had to do. I had to do everything. So yes, there is then an exploration of the families of origin, because what triggers us was really those buttons were usually installed early Mm -hmm. in, in our, our life. And that's not to say that there can't be significant events that occur in our adult life that can also be triggering. Right. 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 And, and so, yes, I do a deep exploration of the family of origin on both sides, because it's not just what triggered us, but how did we cope? How did we learn? What were our survival strategies? And when I say this is titled the vulnerability cycle, the vulnerabilities are those triggers and the survival strategies are how we coped, what what we actually do, what is our behavior that we do. And, and they all make sense in the context of our lives, right? Okay, so when that little boy that today shuts down felt oppressed by his parents, he just, he left the house and, and rode his bike or, or he got, at, got just went in his room and, and went inside and handled everything himself because he knew that there was no hope of, of getting a word in edgewise. And then you come over to his, to his wife, we say, hey, Sue, so what, what about you? What was your family like? Well, I never felt heard. And I would just yell louder and louder to try and be heard, but it, but it, it never really worked. But sometimes I would finally like get through to my parents or whatever or not. And what was it like? Oh, I felt so, you know I felt hurt when I was never heard, and and so we do that. So yes, our 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 early life informs our adult life, and all of us unconsciously we take those survival strategies with us that we're that we're using to cope, to get through, to survive in our families of origin. And we take those survival strategies into our adult relationships. They, I feel like, I, I don't know if this is wrong or correct. I mean, I, I don't know if this is wrong to say, but it's almost like it, cre- it creates like the backbone of a... Uh, of, it's of, a blueprint. Right, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's so interesting because so many of us walk around, we don't know what... If this, if that's a childhood trauma, um, you you hear about stories. It's happened to me where I'll be, let's say, something might be happening, and out of nowhere, I have that aha moment. I'll be like, mm. "Oh crap, that comes from." And then the memory, because the memory slips in there when somehow mm. what you're doing or whatever, it just clicks, and then you just realize, "Wow, I can't, I shouldn't do that," because now I know where that comes from. I've had those moments. Especially as you get older, you know, you start you start seeing these you start seeing the things that are childhood childhood trauma, and mm-hmm. uh, you end up you know uh, discovering that on your own. But I I want to I I really really feel that 
it's it's one of those things where you really have to be first of all to be aware of our childhood trauma requires a tremendous amount of of effort on our part um i mean listen we all have relationships with our partners with our family with friends we know you we have friends where like you'll be like that looks like they probably had something when they were a, a, a kid you know and you can't say anything because you don't know you know but we're aware of it, but yet the funny thing is we're not aware of our own. Now, mm. how does awareness help us make better choices? What are the steps we need to do to get there? Because it's yeah. easier said than done, you know, and that's what I want to say as well. Yeah, no, awareness is, you're right. Sometimes we can see in others what we what we can see in ourselves. And, and you, I would build on what you said that, yes, it takes a lot of effort, it also takes a lot of courage. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say, ooh. It's hard to sometimes go back and revisit. I was yes. Uh, yeah. And 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 that, by the way, I think, you know, I always say to my to my clients, you know, I I'm never never expecting you to jump in the deep end when you don't know how to swim. Maybe you're just gonna stand back at the edge of the field and look at the pool from far away. You know, maybe maybe that's the first step just to turn towards. Maybe you have enough courage to sit at the edge and dangle your feet. Um, but I'm never going to throw you in, ask you to jump in, in the, the deep, deep end, end if, right. you can't, if you can't swim. So, so that unraveling and uncovering is at each person's pace. And you're right, sometimes... We do know things. I, as a therapist, can hypothesize and wonder, oh, I, I feel a sense of trauma, or maybe this person had some sort of abuse, but I'm not going to throw it in there because they're they're not ready. If they were ready, they might be sharing it. Exactly. Or, or exactly. a little bit more, or I see they stay away from certain things. I'm not going to force that, especially when somebody is new with with you and you don't even have that. Safety. relationship right yeah, yeah it, it takes it takes time so so yes but ultimately turning toward and looking at it and saying okay turning toward is what is what creates healing so having the first the courage to say okay i'm gonna go on this journey and it doesn't feel good and i'm scared and i'm still gonna take a step at a time and when, as we gain awareness, oh, so part of the reason I shut down is because I was never heard as a child mm -hmm. and I was oppressed and I felt the only way I could like survive it was handling it on my own. And, and then as therapists, of course, we, we having that awareness, we can't, we, none of us can help how we feel. We may feel that would be triggered by that for the rest of our lives. True. And what we can help is what we do. And we need the awareness of what's happening. I'm being triggered right now to be able to create some space. So if for your listeners now, if I have my hands together, right, and something happens and, and we react, hands are right next to each other. But if we separate our hands and something happens and then there's this space between, 
that's the space of awareness where we get control over the emotions versus them taking control of us, where we recognize, okay, I'm feeling this feeling of oppression. I usually go and shut down, but I have an opportunity to respond instead of react. Reactivity looks like shutting down for me, but I know that never really works and Mm. that just makes my partner more unhappy. So I have an opportunity to do something different. I can't help how I feel, but I can help what I do. So maybe I'll say something like, hey, Sue, I hear that you're really upset right now. When I hear you coming at me really kind of angry, I'm noticing that I want to shut down and move away from it, but I really don't want to do that. I want to be able to stay present with you, but I need a minute. So I am going to leave, but I'm coming back. I'm just going to calm down. And when I feel a little calmer, I'm going to come back and we can talk about this. Would that be okay with you? Right. Something like that. I'm, I'm getting Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, just when you're in the, in the heat of the argument or you're in that moment, yeah. it's very yeah. hard. You know, I want to comment on something. Um, I remember a while back when I was in acting school, um, there's so much that I've learned from acting because you have to be truly authentic. You have to be mm-hmm. true with your emotions. And I always bring a little bit bit of, of, of the things that I've learned as an actor because a lot of it, it I'm, I'm seeing so much how it applies to the world, but I want to comment on this. There was an exercise in class and the exercise was, um, sorry about that noise, guys. And the exercise was, was about... Um, all of us in class, we had to do an exercise on stage. It was probably one of the most frightening exercises. And the exercise was that we go, we have, I think, 10 minutes on stage. And, and that exercise was to, we're sent back in time and we have to talk to our kid's self. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that, that was the whole, the, 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 the rules was if there's, you have to, if there's one thing you have to tell this child this is the time because you only have this moment in time to tell that child, you, your younger self, what would that be? And everyone, it was so interesting because you see everybody's childhood trauma because they're speaking to them. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you that. When I went up there and I did my, my exercise, I can tell you there was a part of it. It was so liberating, but it was so emotional because you know, you're seeing yourself, I mean, you're doing the exercise, you're seeing yourself as a child, you're giving yourself advice, like, you know, talking to that child and letting them know it's going to be okay. But what I realized when I was up there is how much my past informs my present. And I realized that by me being aware of this, I was able to be a present I'm able to be present with people, but most importantly, I can say that there is a level of honest, well, there's honesty, the honesty that I can bring myself. I, I realize this, and this is, this, is a, this is like an acting exercise. I mean, it's really, acting is really brutal. I mean, you go through a lot as an actor, and you feel mm-hmm. a lot, but I realized that, and, and it was so crazy, the experience, because... Years later, I end up like looking back and I was like, holy crap, that was like an exercise that really helped me. And 
it's so important when it comes to being in a relationship. I think that in order to have honesty in the relationship, you got to be aware of how your past informs your present. And um, because it helps you make better choices. And Mm. that is, that is how you, I mean, this has just happened to me as an, not an accident, but it just, I end up discovering that not a lot of people do. And when it comes to honesty in relationships, and I want to bring this back to you, what are the things that are so essential that you believe will create a, a strength in the relationship, uh, will make the individuals present? Yeah, okay. I just want to say that's a beautiful exercise that you did. Thank you. It's an exercise that I do with clients um, all the time, right? When they talk about their childhood trauma. And the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh would say, we have to visit our wounded child, our inner wounded child every day and put our arms around them and say, darling, I am here for you. And it's not always that was, you know, as he says, you do it every day. You meet that child, you put your arm around them, you know, I, you know, really sadly, sometimes I ask people to do that and they say, they're afraid. They yeah. Can't Oh, let me in. Wendy, it's so true. I I mean, just us as actors in that classroom, you should have seen how scared all of majority of us were. Some even I think there was a couple that like a couple of students that like left because they were like, I can't do this. Yeah. And, you know, us as actors, because it's all about, you know, it's similar. You have to be in touch with your emotions and really know where all of this comes from. Uh. The te- our teacher uh, was like, "Listen, you got to do this. You got to you got to make that breakthrough." <laughs> and we're all actors. This is we're applying something so psychological or therapeutic to something that that um, I didn't know that this is something that was gonna not help me. I, yeah, it was gonna uh, give me that uh, enlighten me. I was gonna you know I I wasn't aware of it. And what you're saying is so true. I mean, I remember looking at that. I remember I journaled about, because we have, as actors, we have to journal. But I remember Mm -hmm. looking around the room. We were all like, we were shitting our pants because just to go up there. And when the first person goes and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? You know, you don't know what's going on, but people are breaking down. That is hard. That is so hard. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that's why, as you agreed, you know, it takes an awful lot of courage to say, okay, I want to be better. What's happening now isn't working for me. And I want to, I want to make a change. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a journey to get there. Oh yeah. Journey to get there. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that like, you know, what you're talking, what we've been talking about is so relevant. You know, uh, I think a lot of us, we're all, we're all work in progress, you know, I think we should all be in therapy. We should all be working on ourselves to improve ourselves and we should all be sexually honest as well. But most importantly, I think that in order to be really in a healthy relationship, we got to be aware of all this stuff because you see how, you know, the laws of attraction work when two people come, you attract the same thing. So if you haven't resolved, like let's say childhood trauma or these, um, these patterns that you're not aware of, you're going to keep attracting attracting the same people over and over, and you're not going to know 
why. And it takes courage to realize, wait a minute, there's something wrong I'm doing here. Because only then, let's say, let's say once you've gone through the therapy, you've gone through everything, you've worked out everything, you go into relationships and then you're able to be present and completely honest, then you can work on deeper things because mm-hmm. you're, you've already, you've already, you've, you're over the hurdle, the first hurdle, but then, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, it's, it's, it's there for life sometimes, but, um, what are some things that people who are in relationships that believe, let's say they're in this, um, repeating cycles that let's say one of them doesn't want to go. And the other one's like, Hey, let's say, what do you do then? Cause it takes two to tango, you know? It's two to tango. <laughs> and what's interesting is if the partner continues the tango, right? Okay. What's that about? I, I never tell anybody you should leave. You should do this. Oh yeah, no, you shouldn't be with this person. Right. Or you should be with this person. It's so I notice that your partner um, has been less willing to look at themselves and and change and and work on making changes. Um, what keeps you here? Mm-hmm. Now, what is it that keeps you engaged? Because again, as as lopsided as you may think it is from the outside, if the other person is choosing to be there they're choosing to be there now sometimes look sometimes there are um concrete things i can't afford to leave right we can't afford we're we're kind of living you know parallel lives at this point but or codependency too you know sorry or codependency too as well you know yeah, I don't. I don't know how much I believe in codependency. It's, oh, it's interesting. a loaded term. It's, interesting, um, it's, because again, I I have a different lens on it. It is the it is, you know, what may look codependent or that word codependent. Well, this person always took care of their parent. This this partner in their childhood was the caretaker for their parent, so they naturally come to caretaking their partner who's maybe drinking or using substances. And some people might call that codependency, but is it any different than someone who angrily pursues, right? It's right. their coping strategy from, from their history. And, and you know, sometimes it is just recognizing, well, context has changed. A lot. Those coping strategies aren't useful. Interesting. I'm not happy here, but it's familiar to me. What's familiar is, comfortable even for everybody right uncomfortably comfortable because it's home it's it's home yeah Um, it's what we're used to but sometimes you know let's be honest sometimes if you've been in a violent violent household that's home for you and you're drawn to abusive character uh individuals and you gravitate toward that or you gravitate towards you know it depends how we were all brought up you know but i i do believe there's you know we, we we talked about it like all of this depends on your your home environment back home and and, and whatnot. Um, I want to ask you, are there any red flags we can, let's say we're in a relationship, what are some red flags that you think are important to, like for us to know? Yeah. You know, I I often leave that to someone's instincts. Mm. I I think that we we need to trust our our instincts. You know, there's no one truth as to how relationships should be. 
right? There's, you know, sometimes I hear about these people who, you know, someone will tell me, be telling me about the family they grew up in and they say, oh, my parents were inseparable. They did absolutely everything together. They, you know, they, they, they were just like everything they did, everything was together. And as long as that works for both of them, then That's there's healthy. nothing wrong with it, right. right? If they are totally enmeshed with each other, but they're happy that way and they're both happy that way. But it, let's say you're meeting someone and they want to be totally enmeshed with you, but that's not you. Okay, so for you, that's a red flag. I mean, certainly there are clear red flags. Somebody is uh, quick tempered or says really mean things. Um, again, trusting your instincts when you feel like, oh, I didn't like that. Or recognizing, well, yeah, that's how I was always talked to. So it feels normal. So, mm. so yeah, why, sh why wouldn't I continue in a relationship with this person? I don't know any different from that. Right. Or that's all I deserve. Or I've been made, I, I've been made to feel so worthless uh, within myself from how I grew up that I don't think I deserve any better. But I, I really ask people to rely on their own instincts and if something doesn't feel right, listen to it. That's if you go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, if you see the red flags waving, don't pretend they're not there. Don't make excuses for them. Say, ah, that's a red flag. Maybe this is someone I'm going to keep at arm's length or, you know, or I'm just going to disengage from because it was two dates and, and they were really nasty to that waiter because the food was a little bit late and, that that didn't feel very good for me. I love what you just said because it goes against everything we've been taught. Oh, you know, you know, we're starting to come and we're, we're, I think we're we're in a different time where we're real we're reali realizing sorry that um, certain uh, schools of thought are no longer applicable. But I love the fact that you said trust your instincts because it's not going to lie to you you know it knows it's 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 there for a reason and i love that you said that because to me th that's the best piece of advice that i love that you you said right now because so many times we are oh but you know we like to i want to say lie to ourselves or create these excuses as to why we should at least give that person a, a chance or stay for whatever reason but the truth is deep down inside we've all we know all along, oh, you know what? From the beginning, I knew this and I knew that. Then why were, you know, but it's because we sit on it. But the fact that I love that, you know, I actually myself practice that. Now, if I feel my instincts are like, you know what? No, we have to. But sometimes, you know, it, whatever, you know, but that's great. I love that you said that. And we're kind of at the end of, of, of the show here. But Wendy, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. I do have one uh, question to ask. And uh, last question is actually, if you want to get a hold of you, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, thank you, Romeo. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, I have a website. It's wendydumbroftherapy.com. It's Wendy with an I at the end. I know I'm a weird person that <laughs> spells a common name differently. You're unique. Uh, You're not weird. <laughs> it's okay. My One of my sons once said to me, Mom, we're, we're weird, but we're good weird. <laughs> so... Um, well, you know, it's better, you know, I, I want to say that uh, uh, being normal is actually now 
suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, wendydumbroftherapy.com and all my uh, information is on there. All right, Wendy, thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. I am your host, Romeo. Till next time. <laughs>